Is what you guys want? Okay, Tony, roll the bones clip. Crank up the volume. We lost it. Why are you guys on? Okay, we're just doing one by now. Oh. Not now, Damar. Oh, my bad. I, I didn't mean to go like this. I just keep on going. Yeah. I can't hear anything. Okay, ready? Oh, wait. Go. Wait, one? Yeah, go right now. That was weak. <laughs> Other side. Productions. I think uh, a few of his relatives are here at church today. Who are they? Who is the who is pop at the minivan? Are they in class? Oh, well, give it up for Quinn and uh, Jay now, putting their faith in action. If you guys didn't get one of these yet, uh, Orlando, if we can make sure one gets one of these, these are the Iron Man invitations for all the men in the house. It's a uh, a day of sports, a day of fellowship, a day of uh, barbecue, and a Bible devotional for the men. For especially if you're a Jets fan. We definitely want to invite you if you're a Jets fan. Definitely have to come. All the two Jets fans we have at Shoreline. Okay, uh, we've been studying out James chapter 2. It's great to see everybody. My name's Gio Garces. If you're visiting for the first time, it's great to have you here. Uh, today's our chili cook-off day. And a lot of, a lot of people entered their, their chili today, and they're going to be, right now they're getting judged as we speak, and by the end of service we're going to have the winners, and they're going to enjoy lunch together. Look in your Bibles in James chapter 2, verse 14, that's been our, 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 our book that we're going over in the, in the church study, in the Bible study, to deepen our convictions, to inspire us to be greater for God, to help those who are wavering in their convictions to regain their convictions. And for those who are visiting, we hope that you will want to study the Bible with us to learn more about what we believe about Jesus. In James 2, 14. You know, before we begin, this is a key Christian doctrine. And James is the brother of Jesus. He is a half-brother. Mary had more children. We know that in the Christian belief that the sinner is saved by faith, Ephesians 2, verse 8, and the Christian must walk by faith, 
2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Hebrews 11, verse 6. And whatever we, we do apart from faith is sin. Romans 14, verse 23. These are very important Christian doctrine principles. Someone has said that faith is not believing in spite of evidence, but obeying in spite of consequence. I find that to be true. When we read Hebrews chapter 11, you'll meet some men and women who have acted on God's word no matter what price they had to pay. And Hebrews 11 is a, is a list of many people throughout biblical history that have paid a price for their faith. Faith is not some kind of a, a nebulous feeling that we work up to. Faith is having confidence that God's word is true. And because it's true, it gives us a conviction. A conviction means uh, when you have 12 jury of your peers deciding the fate of a man or a woman, they have to come to a conviction. They have to come to a, based on the evidence, we believe he's innocent. or That's what conviction is. Based on a collective amount of evidence, and you're, you're convinced. Because the Bible's true for us. Conviction is acting on that word. So in this, in this uh, study, we're going to talk about, the first point is a dead faith. And this James chapter 2 talks about this dead faith. Can a, what kind of faith can really save a person? Is it necessary to perform good works in order to be saved? How can a person tell whether he or she is exercising true, saving faith. And James answers the question. Look at me in first, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well. Keep warm and well fed but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Let's stop there. Claiming something you don't have. You have to walk what the Bible speaks. If you look around and just in your neighborhood and your community and all the interactions you have with people that claim to be Christians, when James speaks of this, does a light bulb go off? Does it clear the fog? How about for you? Can you claim to have a saving faith yet have no deeds accompanying it? When you don't walk like a Christian, James says you have dead faith. And he illustrates the poor. And it's a good example. You know, ignoring their needs yet being friendly. You ever do that? I've done that. Sometimes I'm friendly, but I, I, I can't. I, I, I don't, don't want to make time. I don't want time. I don't feel like dealing with the situation. It happens. We ignore it. Violate, the scripture, violate that scripture. As disciples, we have an ob obligation to help people in need. Now, I sent an email out to, to all of us about um, Nicole's friend who lost her husband a few days ago in a car crash off the grapevine. Uh, and, I, I, and I always uh, admire this about our church. When there's a need, we, we respond. And that is to your credit and to your faith. When Tim Hoyt uh, had his heart attack, 
we responded with, you know, just helping the Hoyt family. And this is another situation. I think we're going to be great at it because we do great things like that, Shoreline. We're really good at that. Here's something that I want to put before you. Look, in Acts 2, verse 42, it says this. They devoted themselves to the, the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. That is a basic Christian tenet. That is a, that is a, a faith accompanied by deeds. That is our midweek service. And it's sad to say this, but some of us don't even come to that. Okay? And you are sinning against the scriptures. You're not, your faith is dying. No matter for what reason, nothing supersedes that doctrine. Nothing supersedes uh, having the fellowship to love and encourage your brothers and sisters. That's why God put it there. And we can make and make a lot of reasons why we don't come. And there are many of us, not just isolated few, that are consistently not coming. So that's a basic Christian tenet. It's to encourage you, to strengthen you. So you can, it's the only place we can come in a, a room full of people and actually hug people and it's cool. Right? You can't do it at work. It's weird. Right? Even your family's house, you can't always do it. You're going, oh, there's issues. Sorry. But here, we can do it. Okay? That's where we resolve issues. We resolve hearts. We resolve conflict is there. And that's an important Christian tenet. Because James says, don't merely look at the word. Do what it says. Because you can convince yourself why you don't come. And you're deceiving yourself. Nothing supersedes the word of God. No matter how uh, busy your life is. Nothing supersedes that. In Galatians 6, it says, As we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. That's a time where we get together and we have time of encouragement and we have great talks and it's an awesome thing. You know, in James chapter 1, if you just look back one chapter, verse 26, I want to read something to you and I want to put something before you. And I want, to, I want you to know this because I want to see if God is putting this on your hearts. And I read this to the guys in, in our midweek last Tuesday uh, about religion. In verse 26, it says, If anyone considers himself religious and does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that our, our, our God, our Father, accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself being polluted from the world. You know, um, one of the things that I, I think that we can have an opportunity to do is to look after an orphanage. That our church can attach itself to an orphanage. Also, to look after widows. And we do have, we do have some widows in our fellowship. Uh, but orphan, orphans don't have parents at all. And I want to I put out before you that God finds this faultless and pure. And if God is putting this on your heart, and this is something that you feel after, after hearing this lesson that you, you have a desire to help, we want to talk to you. We want to get something together where we can really uh, support, encourage an orphanage. And I heard there's one in Camarillo. And there's many more. I know the Orange County Church goes down to Mexico and they support, or I know the Valley does that as well. So I, I feel like in the scriptures, God calls us to this, helping others. So if this is on your heart, Please come talk to my wife and I because we really, really want to fulfill this scripture. We don't want our belief just to merely be intellectual in our heads. Um, no one can come to Christ just by believing an intellectual belief and not living the Christian life. You can't have a, a real relationship with God. 
Um, dead faith. It's a real thing. You know, I went on vacation last month up to Mammoth June Lake. Karen and I uh, usually go up there to spend some time in 7,000 feet elevation. It's beautiful. There's snow on the mountains. It's cold at night. It's hot during the day. And on our way out, I, I borrowed Rodney Chavez's truck because I, I couldn't get this trailer thing to, to work. So Rodney goes, take my truck. I said, bro, you're, you're a real Christian. You're awesome. So I took his truck, and, I, and, we had, and Rodney and Steve and I have this boat we got together. And, we, and so, you know, Rodney gave us a little school of instruction on how to do the boat and everything else. And like all the guys are like, yeah, hey, you should look at the manual. Yeah, 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 I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. Just, let me see it again. Ah, yeah, it's in the brain. Once it's in there, it's locked in. So on, I put the boat on the trailer and get the car, trucks packed up with stuff. And when we head out, and it's going to be the best time of our lives. We're gonna, this is going to be the most amazing Jude Lake trip. We've got a boat. We're going to go fishing. And I got Rodney's truck. We're just going to take off. It's going to be great. And so as we're turning on the 14th freeway, take the 118 to the 5 to the 14. Uh, and then the freeway, I said, man, the freeway looks a little bumpy. You know, it's bumpy, honey. I said, yeah. And so I hit this bump on the 14th freeway, and I look in the rearview mirror, and our bikes are in the tr- are, are in the uh, are in the fishing boat. We have a bungee cord down; it's all packed. I'm all, yeah. I put a padlock on that on on the on the hitch. I'm all, yes, the padlock is going to make sure that that hitch that never comes off that ball. Unfortunately, the ball was never on the hitch, and so I put the padlock on, thinking I was saved. I thought this that boat will never possibly pop off the hitch because I put the hitch in. Not really. I put the lock in. Man, I'm a Christian. I put the lock in. I'm solid. So I took the bump going. I, I just took it. And, and there went the trailer on the 14 freeway. As it's, pull, as it's getting smaller and smaller in my rearview mirror, our boat is on the 14 freeway doing 55 miles per hour, and it's sparking and because the, the metal hit the ground. Shh, it's sparking. And Karen's like, the trailer's off the truck. She's screaming. I'm crying. Everything's, what do we do? I started honking the horn like, that's going to help. Honk, honk, honk. Like, that's really helping. Honk, honk, honk. Cars are going round, round. And I'm going, oh, my gosh, our vacation has just ended. There's nothing you can do but sit there and watch your boat fly down the freeway and all these cars are going around it and the boat starts going to the right of the freeway. I'm like, oh my God, and there's a big ravine on the 14. I'm going, oh, great. Here it goes. Here it goes. I'm going, oh no, this is not going to, hey, what do I tell Rodney, Lord? What do I tell Rodney? What do I tell him? What do I say? And there's a motor on the back of that boat. It's, and it just goes to the right. And I, I just said, I don't know what to do. I, there's nothing I can possibly do to fix my problem. It's out of my hands. And the boat comes to a slow stop and pulls over and parks itself on the right side of the freeway. The most bizarre incident in the history of my entire life. It just parked. It went, Arr! parked. And I was like, <laughs> I didn't know how to respond to that. So I just went to the side, rolled back my truck up. I looked at it. I'm going, how, how? And then Karen's like, remember when I asked you about that chain that's supposed to go to the car? I was like, that chain was supposed to do what? 
earlier, Karen had told me the chain should probably lock on the boat. I'm like, nah, I just did, did that. That can never lock onto the boat. I don't see how that can go, Karen. And I left it there. And I, I didn't put the, I didn't secure the, 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 the ball to the hitch or the ball to the, to the grabber. And I didn't, I didn't double check it. And then when I put that lock in, I thought, oh, I'm a saved Christian. I'm good. And we can think that way spiritually. Our ball is not on the hitch. And we're thinking, I'm saved. I'm doing awesome. And that first bump comes, your boat just flies off the freeway. <laughs> it, was an, it, was a, it was a spiritual enlightening for me. I was like, this is like the Christian life. You can think, you're, you can think your trailer's on the hitch. And then you put that lock in because you were baptized. I was baptized. I repented. And we think it's just going to stay that way. And, boop, woo! and it was shocking. But I was so thankful to God going, thank you, Lord, we can still have a vacation. The only damage to the boat was it just disintegrated all the, all the wiring that connected the, the, the plug to the boat, to the, to the, thing, to the car for the, for the lights. It just severed all the wires. So I just put them back manually. I, I, I humbly called Rodney from Home Depot parking lot. I was like, Rodney, was a, there was an accident. <laughs> Don't panic. And Ryan's like, was a chain on the boat? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> it's the first thing he asked me, what? Was a chain on the boat? Not really. And you think, because you convince yourself. And this is where James talks about, it's called, we deceive ourselves. We can deceive ourselves. You know, Karen asked me to put this tarp over the cover of the boat, of, of the truck. I'm like, it's not going to rain. The weather says we're good. We're solid. Weatherchannel.com. Check it out. And I, I even called Rodney. Rodney, should I put a tarp? He's like, you don't need a tarp. Said, Confirmed. <laughs> Confirmed. Karen was pushing. Said, I got advice. Biblical. With many advisors, victory is assured. Right? Right? That's how we think, right? So as, 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 that, as we recover emotionally from that incident, on the same way to June, like on the same trip, we stop in at Lone Pine. We're, we're going through Lone Pine. We're going, wow, it's getting kind of cloudy outside. Karen's like, yeah, it's kind of, oh, I think we're just going to drive right through it. I'm taking raindrops like the size of my hands. Boosh, boosh. Raining so bad where all our, all our clothes and everything is just getting soaked. Or I got to stop. We got to get out. We got to go buy a big old tarp. Run it out there. Put it in the rain. Pouring rain. And Karen's like, and I, and I get in the car. And Karen's like, and Karen looks at me. I don't think you take my advice. And that hurts my feelings. I was like, yep. It's probably true. Probably true. Probably true. I mean, the first day of vacation was humbling, to say the least. <laughs> Needless to say, when Karen spoke, I obeyed from that point on. She said something, it was done. I did it right away. And this is how we can be as Christians. We are the same way. We don't, we, eh, I got, and then, and then it happens, and, and then hopefully, because it's happened, it gives you conviction going, whew, I'll tell you from now on, 
I double check, triple check, you know, I just jumped on that hitch, chia, chia, make sure it was on. Ah, ah. Call the neighbor in the next door, RV, hey, can you double check my hitch? I'm going to take off. He's like, let me double check this thing. Yeah. I mean, I had the whole neighborhood look at that hitch before I left again. Because I had conviction. Is that thing on? And when I put the padlock on, I was like, I was like, ah, it's on. It's like we're Christians. The same thing. And you have a lot of experience like this in your, in your weekly life. And it's important for you to connect the spiritual lesson with it. Listen to advice. My, my wife, I, I don't know what I was thinking. Because when we don't do it, not only do we have dead faith, we can have demonic faith. Ooh, it sounds kind of scary, huh? Look in verse 18. But someone will say, someone will say to you, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You know, it comes as a shock to people that demons actually have faith. What do they believe? Well, for one thing, demons believe in the existence of God. They're neither atheists nor agnostic. They also believe in the, the deity of Jesus, meaning he's God in the flesh. Whenever the demons met Jesus on earth, they began to call him the son of God, Mark 3.11. They believed that there was a place of punishment that existed, Luke 8, verse 31. And they also recognized Jesus as the judge, Mark 5, verse 1 to 13. And they also submitted to the word of God. But is not the saving, in the word of God, what I mean by that is that when Jesus spoke to them, they obeyed. Um, but it is not a saving faith to experience to believe and tremble and then do nothing. That doesn't save you. A person can be enlightened in his mind and even stirred in his heart and not recognized because there's no changed life. Believing in Jesus changes your life. It, it doesn't change your schedule by attending Sunday or midweek. It changes your life. There's a big difference. He says, show me your faith without works, James challenged, and I'll show you my faith by my works. You know, to have a true saving faith, it involves something more, something that can be seen and recognized. Most people know when you are growing spiritually. They can tell. You know, your spouse, if you're married, they know when you're growing spiritually. They know when you're doing terrible, too. They just know. I mean, they, they, they just have this innate ability going, you're not doing well. They just know. And lastly, not only a dead faith, but a demonic faith, but James calls us to have a dynamic faith. Look in verse 20. He says, you foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that say, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified 
by what he does and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. What a great example. He goes, okay, this is, a di- this is the dynamic faith. faith. Let me give you two examples. The first example is he gives an example about Abraham. And Abraham was called to go up a mountain, and God said, hey, go sacrifice your son. And he goes up to, to, the, to the mountain, and he attempts to do that, and God says, oh, wait, I know you truly believe what I said. Don't do that. Abraham, and to, re- to read that account, you have to read Genesis 15 and Genesis chapter 22 just to kind of get an idea of the account. And he calls Abraham out of, out of, uh, out of his, uh, the land of Ur, which is uh, modern-day Babylon, which is modern-day uh, Iraq. And he asks him, him to go down all the way to the, land of the, the promised land, which was the land of Canaan, which is kind of like modern-day Israel, um, Jordan, that area. He asks him to move to a foreign country and establish uh, uh, descendants that will number the stars, and he will be the spiritual leader. That's what he was called. And he had a good thing going over in Ur, over, over in Babylon, over in modern-day Iraq. He had a good thing going over there. His life was good, but he went and left. Not only did he believe God, he actually packed up his stuff, and he went. This was credited to him as righteous. And Jesus, I mean, James uses this, this, this example that Abraham was not saved by obeying God's difficult command. His obedience proved that he was already saved. He already had a relationship. His obedience is what connected to and made it complete. Both his faith and his actions made his faith complete. Because faith without actions is dead. Is dead. You can call that religious. You can call that church goer. You can call that whatever you want. But he says very clearly in James 22, you see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. There is a perfect relationship between faith and works. It's like a coin. Heads and tails. Faith and works. As someone expressed, Abraham was not saved by faith plus works, but by a faith that works. It's a difference. In the religious world, they want to detach works and faith. They want to make it all about faith and then do nothing about working for your faith in the sense of expressing your faith. They want to separate the two. You cannot separate the two, as it says here. Otherwise, you have a dead faith. Otherwise, you you don't have a dynamic faith. And then there's Rahab. Rahab was a harlot. She was a prostitute. She actually owned a little, a little house because when, when uh, Joshua sent the spies in, they stopped, and she kind of boarded them for a couple days and, 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 and she sent them in a different direction and she protected them. She heard the word that her city was going to be destroyed by, by Joshua and God. Her city was condemned. That word affected her to do something about what she believed. She believed these guys that God is going to come in and got to work. And she, not only did she, was she tremble, but she put her faith 
in action and she and she hid the spies from the enemies and she's told them to go that way because they're going this way and they made it they spied the land they came back and joshua took the land she risked her life to protect the jewish spies she risked her life by sharing the good news with her family she had dynamic faith and i don't know if you knew this but rahab ended up marrying one of the jewish men and one of her descendants came from the line of Jesus. Rahab married someone spiritual in the Jewish community. They had children, Jesse the son of David, all the way through to Jesus. It impacted her. Yes, a prostitute is in the line of Jesus. Yes. What does that say? God will use anyone's faith. You don't have to be super elite. Anyone's faith. This was Rahab the prostitute, and she's actually in Hebrews chapter 11, in the hall of faith. She exercised dynamic faith. How is your faith being exercised? And a lot of us, some of us are doing awesome. And I'm not here to make you do more and overfill yourself. I'm just saying for those who are, who are not, we must exercise our faith. And I don't just believe that coming to Sunday and midweek is, is, a, is a, I'm talking, let's exercise our faith. Is there a need? Let's go meet it. Is there an orphanage? Hey, let's go take care of it. Let's go help. What can, what can we do? You know, people are really impacted by how much we are, care about them. They're impacted by that. Today is a day to get on the right track with God. Um, if you're visiting with us, if you'd like to study the Bible, Please talk to the person that brought you, or some of you guys have been coming for a number of weeks. Sometimes some of you have been here for months. Talk about starting a Bible study to learn more about faith and what it really means. Because we want to have not a dead faith. We don't want that. We don't want a demonic faith. We don't want to live our lives thinking, thinking that it's the hitch is on with the padlock. We're good. We want a faith that's dynamic that's vibrant, that lives, that the Christian life follows Jesus. Not perfection, but lives that way. Let's begin the journey to change our lives today. Thank you, and to God be the glory.